Check, check, check. Here we go. Happy Labor Day weekend. Good to be in the house with you folks. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Genesis chapter 37. That's where we're going to be tonight. Thank you so much for being here on a three-day weekend. And as Jarek mentioned, we are kicking off a brand new series called Made for Greatness. And the whole premise behind this series is to put some faith into our lives that, and to remind us that we are made for greatness. God has uniquely hardwired greatness into all of our hearts. And throughout the next uh, four weeks, what we want to do is unpack how we can tap into the greatness that God has already placed in all of our lives. And studies have shown that depression and anxiety are at an all-time high, meaning that the world that we're living in, maybe your current situation right now, you're feeling a little depressed and overwhelmed with everything that's going on. And in those moments where you feel overwhelmed and filled with anxiety, purpose can get easily thrown out the window. So our heart for the next few weeks is to remind us that we do have a God-given destiny and he has a purpose for our lives no matter what. So we're going to look and unpack the story of Joseph. And if you're Filipino, Joseph. And uh, not New Testament Joseph, not uh, Mary and Joseph, mother and father of Jesus. We're talking old school, Old Testament Joseph, Joseph with the Gucci coat. We're talking about that Joseph in the Old Testament. And to give you some background for this story, we have to let you know that Joseph was born into a blended family. His father, Jacob, had four baby mamas, 13 kids total, 12 boys, one girl. And if his life was a modern TV drama, it could be called the Real Housewives of Canaan because of the drama of the situation that they were in. This was a blended family, a lot of uh, 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 mixing and mingling, but also a lot of drama within the family. And, and Jacob, Joseph's father, really loved Rachel, who was Joseph's mother, which means Joseph became the favorite kid out of all of the kids, all of the 13. How many of us here, you would con consider yourself the favorite child? And everybody else who didn't raise their hand probably had animosity to the person who was labeled as the favorite child in the family. And so we're going to unpack really his life and pull out some lessons for us to realize the greatness that God has placed into all of our lives. So Genesis chapter 37 verses 3 to 8. We're only going to unpack a, a few verses, but I want to encourage you on your own time to read the entire story. It's from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to 50. It might seem like a lot, but it really, there's a lot in this story that we can apply to our lives. And so we're going to kind of do like a scenic drive pass over this story. But in your own time, I want to encourage you to get deeper into the word and allow the word to speak to you in your heart. So here we go. Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 to 8. It says this, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful Gucci robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. How many, how many of us resonate with that statement? There's people in your life that you have a difficult time saying a, a kind word to, but God is going to work that out of our hearts through his love. Verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, here's the result, they hated him more than ever. Verse 6, listen to this dream, he said. 
we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Verse 8, his brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. I want to preach a message to us from the premise tonight, the reality of a dream. The reality of a dream. We all like dreams, but there's a reality to those dreams that we and I have to walk out in our lives. And so we're going to unpack really what that means for us. So join with me as we pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for this truth. But we thank you that one word from you can radically change us from the inside out, Lord. So that's what we're coming to you tonight for. We want to hear your word. We want to hear your voice. Speak to us in such a real and tangible way that would change us. So we posture ourselves to hear from you. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that is soft, open, and receptive of everything that you want to deposit into us tonight. In your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen. The reality of a dream. I want you to think about to your childhood memories and the first thing that came up when someone asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up. Think about that. What was some of the things that came to your mind when someone would ask you, what do you want to be when you grew up? And for me, I don't know why I wanted to be this, but the first thing I remember wanting to be was a lawyer. I have no idea why. I just was like, oh, I want to be a lawyer. I don't know why. And then uh, my next phase was I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Then I realized that you actually have to be good at baseball, so I did the next best thing. If you can't do it, you either coach or you become a sports broadcaster. That was the dream for my life. I don't want to do it. I want to talk about people who are actually doing the dream that I wish I had in my life. And I know in heaven, God is going to give me athletic skill, but for now, you just deal with what you've been given, right? So that was my dream when I was young. What was your dream? Uh, I was looking this up, and I found uh, some funny uh, things that other kids wanted to be when they grew up. So go ahead and put this first picture up. I don't know if you see it, but on the top it says, I will never get married. And on the bottom of the picture says, this is the life. <laughs> so this kid was living, uh, his dream was to be single. And his dream is some of our current realities right now. I'm single. This is not a dream for us. But this kid knew something intuitively, whether he knew it or not. He knew that it was better to be single and happy than in a relationship and miserable. Come on, somebody. That is going to preach to someone's heart tonight who's in a miserable relationship. It's better for you to be single and happy than struggling in your current situation. That's not the message, but hey, if the shoe fits, go ahead and wear that. Next picture is this. Uh, what is the next one? So this is this kid. He puts on the top, when I was three, I wanted to be a dad. When I was four, I wanted to be a toy designer. When I was five, I wanted to be a video game maker. Now that I'm five and a half, I know I want to be a ninja chef when I grow up. Here's the kicker for the ninja chef. You got to look at the, the work schedule. Monday through Thursday, chef. Friday, ninja. But he had the, he had the audacity to say, Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to rest. <laughs> so when you're all night ninjing, you know, you got to rest on the weekends. And that's a message for us that we do need to incorporate rest into our lives. Last but not least, this is probably the dream that many of us want to have in our lives. Put this next and last picture up. When I grow up, I like to be Albert, a person who stays home and does 
Nothing. How many of us, that's going to be your Labor Day Monday, doing nothing at home. This was his dream, and Albert is living the life. So what was your dream growing up? What was the thing that you aspired to be with your life? Here's the reality, that it's not about us having a dream. It's about us discovering God's dream for our lives. You know, there's a big difference between your dreams and God's dreams. And the whole premise of us in our lives is to discover really what is it that God has designed and placed me on this earth for. What is his dream for my life? So through the life of Joseph, we see a person who has dreams but also goes through a process of seeing that a dream, how that becomes a reality in his life. So we're going to look at three different phases from the, life of jo- from the life of Joseph. The first phase is this, the dream. He had a dream. Verse 37, verse 7 says this, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all bowed, all, all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And so God gave Joseph not one dream but two dreams. The second dream was very similar to this dream with the reality of other people bowing down to him. And before we get into the details of what that means, because later on in the story we can see that that was actually what happened in the story. But Joseph's interpretation of that dream was probably different than God's interpretation of that dream. Joseph thought that dream was all about him. And God saw the dream was about what God wanted to do through him to impact other people. So for us, we got to realize that when we define this idea of a dream, this is what the definition should be for us. It's a glimpse of God's preferred future for your life. It's not the whole picture. It's not the whole movie. It's just one scene in the movie that God wants to give us to give us faith for our future. It's his preferred future, not ours. Not our preference, not what we want. It's his preferred future for our lives. And the thing I love about God is in his love, he only gives us a snapshot. Why would God only do that and not show us the whole thing? Because if God really showed us the whole movie of our lives, you and I would probably be discouraged. Realizing, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. So here's what God does. He gives us a, just a sneak peek that will kind of pique our interest to keep on trusting him every step of the way. So God gave Joseph a dream and God wants to give all of us a dream for our lives. God has a dream for your life. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. God has a dream for your life. Go ahead and do that. God has a dream for our lives. We can see this in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. It says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb before you were born. I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. The first thing that we see, we see two things in this text. We see one, that formation of life begins in the womb. How many of us know right now that we're living in a society where they're trying to redefine when life begins? God defines it in his word by saying it starts in the womb. Life forms in the womb. So formation happens in the womb, but here's what happens. God instills destiny before we were even born. Think about that. Before you were even a realization, God had a dream about you. Not only did he dream about you, he had a dream about what your life is going to look like. That's how amazing our God is. Before we even came to an existence, he was planning out the purposes that he had for you and I. So God 
gives us a dream. He wants us to fulfill that dream. So here's the takeaway for this first point in the phase of a dream. It's this. God has a purpose for your life. Dream and purpose are synonymous. And two things about this purpose is this. One, we were made on purpose for a purpose. There are two important dates in our lives. The day that we were born and the day that we realize why we were born. Let me say that again. There's two dates. The day that you were born and the day that you come to a realization on why God placed you on this earth. What was your divine purpose? What was the plans that he had for us? We need to discover that so that we can walk out his preferred future for our lives. And so we don't just pursue our purpose. We pursue God who gives us our purpose. The more we pursue God with our lives by getting into his word and discovering the potential that he's placed in all of us, we start to discover his purpose for us. But we don't go looking out for purpose. We go after God who then gives us the purpose. Purpose is the byproduct of us pursuing God. Second thing we learn is this. God's purpose is not about us. God's ultimate purpose for your life is not about you. It's about him, and it's about him using us to impact other people. So the purpose of a dream in its essence is to make a difference in the lives of others. There was a study between millennials and Gen Z. We can put up this graphic. And here's the top three things that this generation is aspiring to be or they see as priorities. Here's the first thing. Travel the world. Second thing, earn high salaries. Third thing, buy their own homes. Good luck in Hawaii. It's going to be difficult. And here's the fourth thing. Have a positive impact on society. And with the, the fifth, last thing is this, start a family. So you just see, that might even be your dream and aspiration that I want to just make the money. I want to go out and be insta-famous. I want to have clout. I want to have a platform to do these things. Travel the world, make money, and then buy a home. So if you see that that's the dream that people are living in and the priorities that they're placing in their lives, here's what we're going to see when we compare it to God is this. One, that dream is too small. And that dream is also too self-centered. If we're making it all about us making money, not that money is wrong, not that uh, traveling the world is wrong, not that buying a home is wrong. If we make that our ultimate priority in God's eyes, that is too small and it's too self-centered. It's just all about us and what we can do, what we should be doing with our lives. This aspiration, if we look on social media, everybody's kind of communicating this dream life that you and I want to have. And if we are not watching with our own eyes, as believers, we can fall into the same trap to make it all about us and what we can accumulate and what we can follow. But I don't know about you, if I read the story of Joseph, I don't ever read a verse saying that, that him saying, I'm going to follow my dreams. How many of us know that that's kind of the common mantra in the society that we're living in today? Everybody's just encouraging one another. Just follow your dreams. I look at the life of Joseph, and I never read a verse that said Joseph followed his dreams. Here's what Joseph did follow. Joseph followed God, and as he was following God, the dream, the dream followed him. Come on, somebody. So we don't just follow after our dreams. Our dreams won't get us anywhere. We follow after God, and when we're pursuing God wholeheartedly, the dream that he has for us will follow us and overtake us and take us into the destiny that he has for our lives. I'm preaching really good. Maybe I got to go to this section right here and find some faith in the house tonight of people who really believe that God has a plan 
and purpose for our lives. So we don't pursue our dreams, we pursue after God. And many of us, we have a hard time realizing the difference between a fantasy and a dream. So what does that mean for us? We have to always line up our dreams with God's word, making sure that it's not about us. Sometimes the dream is all about us and we need to submit that to the lordship of Christ. Because God's dream for us is not about status, it's always going to be about service. What can we do to serve him and to serve other people? He'll give you a platform, but the platform is just means for us serving other people. So first point is this, God has a purpose for our lives and the purpose is not about us. The second scene we see after God gives them a dream, we see the pit. Genesis 37, 8 says this, and they hated him. All the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. The first thing we got to realize is when God gives you a dream, not everyone is going to be happy for you when you get that dream. We think, oh, man, we, you know, people are going to, like, rally around me, encourage me, jump on board, and be excited for what God has for my life. And you would think the closest people to you would be an encouragement for you. The reality is what we see with Joseph, his closest family, was in exact opposition to the dream that God had for him. They were not happy about the dream. He already had animosity with them before the dream. As he shared the dream, which you can talk about having wisdom, they hated him even more. So we see their response to him as he shared the dream was this. Later on in the story, the brothers are out tending the father's flock. And Joseph was, you know, the father's favorite child. And so Joseph's dad, Jacob, sends him out to go see what the brothers are doing. Because J uh, Jacob knew that Joseph would tell him all the secrets about the brothers. You know, there's a mantra in the street called snitches get stitches. And that's what we're going to see unfold in the life of Joseph. So he goes out there, and the story says that the brothers seen him from afar. How did they see him? Because the brother was rocking his Gucci coat in the summertime, sweating. There's some brothers on the west side wear sweaters, and it's 100 degrees out there with the gold chain. That's what Joseph was doing, walking in the Sahara Desert, hot, rocking the Gucci coat. And the brothers see him from afar, and they start plotting his death. We're going to kill this guy. And they're having conversation on how they're going to do that. One of the brothers says this, let's just throw him in this pit right here. So they, they see the pit. They're like, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So when Joseph came, that's exactly what they did. They took off the coat, and they threw him in the pit. So Joseph's now in the pit, and then the brothers are having another conversation. What should we do with him? One of the brothers noticed that there's Ishmaelite traders uh, driving by, and he said this, you know, instead of just leaving him to die, let's make some money off of him. Let's sell him as a slave to these Ishmaelite traders, and that's what they did. They just took the brother, sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and he's off his way to become a slave. Divine contradiction immediately happened after God gave him a dream. So for you and I, we have to realize that once God gives us a dream, we're going to face some immediate opposition in our lives. So two things that we see is, one, Joseph's dream got him into the pit. He didn't do anything wrong. He just had a dream given to him by God, and that got him into a pit. And how he handled that dream also got him into the pit. He started to tell his brothers and brag about him, and that got him into a pit. So two things. You don't have to do anything to get you in a pit, and sometimes our own wrongdoing gets us into a pit. 
How many of us have had pitiful decisions that we made in our lives, right, that has placed us into a pit? Relationships that we should have been involved with, money that we shouldn't have been spending, right? Situations that we shouldn't have been in, but because of our foolishness, our own decisions got us into a pit. But here's the truth. Regardless of whether you got yourself into a pit or not, God can still use the pit for your purpose. He can still use it. Whether you got there or not, by your own doing, God can still use the pit to develop us for our purpose. So we see a divine contradiction. What a contradiction is, it's a detour and a delay on the way to our destiny. And many of us are going to face that where you have a dream from God and you're excited and you want to walk it out. And then you experience a divine contradiction where you feel like you're heading in the opposite direction. He was thinking that he's going to make it to the palace and instead God had him go through the pit. And for us, we have to realize and accept that divine contradictions are often... God's way of developing us into the person that he has called us to be. But for you and I, we also have to see that we're living in a world where there are two kingdoms at war with one another. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of darkness is ruled by Satan and the kingdom of light, which is ruled by God. And we see these two kingdoms warring. And these kingdoms influence people to do different things. And the kingdom of darkness wants to destroy your life. Here's what the Bible says in John 10.10 about these two kingdoms. The thief, the kingdom of darkness, has his priorities to do this. Steal, kill, and destroy. So the whole darkness kingdom wants to derail us, destroy us, uh, divide us. That's the premise of the kingdom of darkness. And it uses people to bring that about in our lives. And here's the other part where the kingdom of God... And its MO is this, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So God's kingdom wants us to experience a full life. So we see these two kingdoms at war with one another, and we're living in the reality of that war. Great news for all of us is that when we're in the kingdom of light, we know that at the end of the story, we win. So what does that mean for us? That as we're walking out this life, we hold on to the victory in the end, and we're fighting for that in our current present. We're fighting from victory, not for victory. So when it comes to us, when we give our lives to God, we not only leave the kingdom of darkness, we join a brand new team. We become a part of God's kingdom. We become a part of his kingdom and what he wants to do in it through our lives. And so anytime you're joining the kingdom of light, you have to realize that there's divine opposition that's trying to stop everything that God wants to do in your life. The two kingdoms are at war. I say uh, this because football season has just started and I'm excited. I drafted my fantasy football team and I'm very disappointed at myself and who I drafted. But just give it to God and see what he does with it. But we have to realize that if you're playing football, there's two teams going out. You have offense and defense. Offense could be the kingdom of uh, light and defense would be the kingdom of darkness. But if you're on offense and you start running in the opposite direction, rather than running to your goal, you're running to the, uh, the other end zone, you know what the defense is going to do? They're not going to go chasing after you. In fact, they're just going to keep encouraging, keep on running. You don't have to do anything. This guy is just doing the work for us. You know, he's just like making his own life. And sometimes we blame the devil for a lot of the poor decisions that we make. They're just actually encouraging us because we're, what, running in the opposite direction. But here's what happens. Once we make a decision that I'm running in the opposite direction, this is what repentance is. It's stop and turning 180 towards God. As soon as we make that decision to stop and pivot 
and head in this direction, you know what's going to happen? That's when we face the defense. That's when the opposition is going to hit us. Not when we're running in the opposite direction, the wrong way, but as soon as you make a decision to head in this direction, the first thing that you're going to face is the defense trying to stop you from heading in that direction. Why? Because they know that your destiny is that way and they're going to do everything that they can to stop you and oppose you from reaching God's purpose for your life. So really for us, we got to realize that opposition is a part of the process. Here's the takeaway for us. God's dream for you will always be opposed. It will always be opposed. But as soon as you make the decision to turn up field, you're going to face opposition. Opposition isn't a sign that you're doing the wrong thing. Opposition is often a sign that you're heading in the right direction. If you're going through life not experiencing any opposition, you have to question yourself, am I heading in the right direction? Because as soon as you make the decision to head this way, you're going to experience opposition. You're going to experience people not liking you. You're going to experience everything that the enemy can throw at you. But here's the truth. We got a greater God on our side. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So don't, face your, don't look at your opposition with fear and discouragement. Look at our God who already overcame the enemy. So our purpose and our perspective should be on God throughout the entire process. So opposition, if you're facing that right now, be encouraged. You might be doing the right thing. You might be heading in the right direction. God is doing something deep in your heart. Trust him every step of the way. So the pit was God's way of positioning him for his purpose. The last thing that we see here as we come to an end is this, the promise, the, the, the last phase of this scene in Joseph's life is the promise. Genesis 39, 1-2 says this, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. Take a look at this. The king of Egypt. And here's the kicker. The Lord was with Joseph. God needed to get Joseph to Egypt. And the pit was the process for him to get him there. Let me say that again. God's goal for Joseph was to eventually get him to Egypt near Pharaoh. So what needed to happen was Joseph had to get thrown into the pit, but the, the pit positioned him for his purpose. He needed the pit to be positioned for where God needed him to be later on in the story next, with Pharaoh, next to Pharaoh in Egypt. So for us, God uses the pit as a step for us to head in the right direction towards his dream for fulfilling for his dream that we need to fulfill with our lives. And so this is just a phase. The pit is just a phase, but the phase is a part of the process that gets us there. But the key that we need to hold on to in pit seasons is this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph is seen all throughout this story. And our takeaway from that is this, God is with you. If the Lord was with Joseph in his darkest seasons, God is also going to be with you in your dark season. Regardless of what's going on in your life, the Lord is with you. My question is this, are you with the Lord while he's with you? It's not a question about God's presence being with you in your life. The real question is, am I with God while he's with me in my life?
You know, God can be right next to you and you could be thinking about other things, preoccupied with so many other things. So we're not questioning whether God is with us. We also have to question, am I with God in this current situation and season of my life? Because there's a big difference between dreams and reality. I want to put this diagram up for us because it will make so much sense for us. The dream and reality diagram. Here's what we think happens when God gives us a dream. We think that we just have a slow incline to the purposes that he has for us. We're just going to go on cruise control, just ride a little bike into our destiny. That's what we think. If we're honest, that's what we think. But here's the reality of that dream. That's just a dream. Here's the reality of that. The first thing you're going to experience, a pit with some rocks. And then you're going to experience all these challenges around the way. Along the way, you got birds, you got the cold, you got a tiger. I don't even know what the tiger is doing in there, but the tiger is going to be a part of your journey and development. So we have all of these ups and downs and the reality of us walking towards our dream, too often we get caught in one season of our life and we're not thinking that this is a part of the bigger picture where God is taking us. The season is just a scene in the bigger story of God fulfilling his dream for our lives. So whether you're in a high or a low, here's my encouragement to you. God is with you. Are you with God? Are you with him in the highs? Are you with him on the mountaintops rejoicing when you overcame a victory or you experienced his favor on your life? Are you rejoicing in those moments? And are you continuing to trust him in the low moments right now? Whether you're in a high or low, Lord, God is with you. He wants to be with you. And this is the process that all of us are going to have to face when we're walking towards our destiny. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Not all things that we go through in life will be good, but God can use it for good. God can use it for good. No matter what you're going through, God can use it for good. Here's the takeaway for tonight's opening volley in this series, Made for Greatness. It's this. God develops dreams in the dark room. God develops dreams in the dark room. Many of you were looking at this and wondering, what the heck are we doing here? But before we had camera phones, how many of us remember point-and-shoot cameras back in the day? How many of us remember this? Where you actually had to load film, and you had no opportunity to see what the picture looked like after you took it. This is like a complete guessing game. And right, so now we have the luxury where you can take a thousand pictures and make sure that you got the right angle and do all the edits and stuff like that. But back in the day, how many of us remember, you, don't, you didn't have that luxury. You just have to pray, click and pray. You know what I mean? Just like, God, I just pray that this picture turns out well. And then you take the film in to get developed and then you get back and you like are excited. Why? Because you want to see the pictures that you took. How many of us remember these? This is archaic, but it's actually coming back, retroing, right? Point and shoot is a, is a new thing right now. And then what are you looking at? You're looking at all the pictures that you took. And you get that excitement of saying, wow, I didn't see that. I don't remember that picture. And then now what? These pictures start triggering memories, right, in your life. And you start to think about the actual time that you had that captured this moment. And this was really the process that, you and I can apply it to our lives when it comes to this message because 
God's dream for us is like him snapping a picture into the future of what he has for us. And what he does is he takes us through a process of developing the film. This is the film of your life right here. But to develop this film requires a process. Like you had to wait days once you gave the film. You had to wait a couple days. And it had like an hour sometimes folder and you have to wait an hour. But I looked up and researched really what happens when we develop the film, and this thing is going to preach tonight's message so, so well. So the first thing that you need to do once you get the film, we've taken all the pictures already. In the process of developing this film, the first thing that you got to get into is the dark room. You got to get into the dark room. Why? Because the film is so sensitive to light, any unexposed light can ruin and damage the film. So the first thing you need to do is you take the film and you get into the dark room. How many of us remember dark seasons of your life where you don't even remember God feeling near? You know what I mean? Like you've been worshiping and you're praying and you don't even remember feeling the presence of God anymore. And you feel like you're in a dark season where nothing is resonating with you anymore. You're trying your best to seek after God, but nothing is really like, like really comforting you in that season. And you're in a, in a dark season of the soul. And God often has to put us in a dark room to what? Develop the film. You know what after they do? The dark room, they start to pry open the container and unravel the film. Have you ever felt like your life was being pried open? And that the deepest secrets of your life were being unraveled in front of other people to the point where you feel embarrassed? Where things that you were doing in, in, in private now became public and you just feel so exposed and you have to experience what it takes or what it means to have your life unraveled but you have to unravel the film to do this you to get the film onto a onto a reel so you got to unravel it and then once you unravel the film you put the film on a reel and then once you get it into a reel, here's what happens. You're going to have to add some chemicals to this. I looked up the chemicals. There are three chemicals. Two of them are developer and a fixer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm reading this. I'm like, developing film is preaching the gospel to me. Here's what happens. You got to use those chemicals to agitate the film, to bring the picture to the surface of the film. The picture's already there. You need the agitation to bring it to life. How many of us know that God often uses people to develop our character, to agitate us in a certain way, to develop loving character, peace, patience, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit doesn't just get deposited into us. It gets developed in us. We need the chemicals to develop us. And you know what the chemicals God uses? People to fix our attitude, to develop our character, to develop the loving spirit that God has for us. We don't automatically just pray, God, just make me patient. And God just goes, here, my son, patience. Lord, thank you for the answer of prayers. God puts us in positions to be patient. And when we lean into his grace, patience is produced. So God uses people to develop and to fix us. And then after, you got to wash all of that off and then what? Dry it out. You got to dry it out. And sometimes in spiritual walk, we go through dry seasons 
where you feel like you're just going through the motion, in those dry seasons, I encourage you this. Keep on showing up. Don't rely on a feeling for you to show up. Show up out of discipline and consistency, knowing that the feelings will follow our faith when we choose to honor God by decision, not because we feel right. And then once we do that, we dry it off. Here's what we get. We get film. You know what they call this? Negatives. Oh, come on, somebody. We got the negatives. How many of us will look at your life? You got a lot of negatives. A lot of bad decisions. A lot of regrets that we wish we could undo. And you're looking at your life and you think, Man, my whole life is just a roll of negatives. And that might be your current situation. But how do you get the negatives onto actual a picture? You got to shine light through the negatives. How many of us know that it's God's light that needs to shine through these negatives of our lives to get us to the picture that he has for us? So in your hands, here's the realization. In your hands, the negatives just remain that negatives but something supernatural happens when you give the negatives to God and allow the love of his light to shine through these negative situations come on somebody God can take negative situations <laughs> negative circumstances negative experiences through the light of his love when he shines through it becomes the preferred future that he always had for us the dream now becomes a reality but we got to go through the process. I love the dream. I don't like the process sometimes. Get me there quicker. Come on, somebody. Would you agree with me? Just get me there, God. I like the dream. I don't like my situation right now. We can't have one without the other. God loves us too much to get us to the end destination without having some character in your life that will sustain you once you get there. He wants us to be positioned in our lives character-wise so that once we're there, he can trust us that we won't ruin that situation with our own sinfulness. So some of us right now, you're looking at your current situation and you're thinking, man, I just got some negatives. My encouragement to you is this. God is with you. Continue to be faithful with him. It's not about perfection, guys. Get perfection out the window. It's about just consistency and walking in humility, trusting him with your life. When things make sense, keep on trusting him. When things don't make sense, realize that that just is a season and it's a part of the bigger story of what God is trying to produce in and through us. So in the story that you and I are living in, we know that we serve an awesome God. He's so awesome. The fact that he would choose us to be a part of his grander story is an amazing, an amazing thing. Don't let the enemy discourage you from the purposes that God has for you in your life. Some of us tonight, the enemy is just lying, lying your ears off. And you've been so used to and rehearsing those lies over and over. You think that you have no purpose in destiny. That is a lie from the enemy. And tonight I'm going to believe that God is going to set us free to silence the lies and to reveal his truth that we are made on purpose for a purpose. He has a dream for all of us. And when we trust him in the process, we will walk out.
his dream for our lives. So God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in us. God, let the light of your love shine in these areas of our hearts. We need you, God. We need you. Can't do this on our own. And in a room like this, God, we have so many different people from so many different walks of life and so many different situations. God, but in your sovereignty, you know, it, you know it all. And I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would show up in a real tangible way and meet us right where we are. Whether we're on the mountaintop or in the valley low, we will trust you with the negatives of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen and amen.